My name is Bruce Rokas, and I serve as one of the preaching and teaching pastors here at Cross Point. And I read a story about a guy who had his car stolen, now watch this, 15 times in eight years. Man, talk about bad luck. One time he had a stereo stolen, and he was, it was recovered, so he was called to the police station to go and pick up the stereo. When he got out to the parking lot, he found his car was stolen again. Man, talk about bad luck. We are in a series called 10 Values That Build Strong Families. And really, basically, what we're going through is the Ten Commandments. And uh, today we're on the Eighth Commandment. Can you imagine, can you guess what the Eighth Commandment is? Don't steal. But before we get to that, let's... uh, do a little review because we're going to be talking about prospering, pros, prosperity with integrity. That's what God wants for us. Let's review real quickly. Where have we been? If you're visual, you'll get this. First commandment, there's one God needs to be first place in our life. Number two, don't bow down to idols. There's only one God. We worship Him. Number three, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Be very careful how you use His name. Number four, where do we read about taking a day off, resting our bodies, and thinking about God. In the Bible. So the Bible, Exodus 20, is where that's found. Number five, you see the five that's got a mom and a dad. Two heads there, that's a mom and a dad. Honor your father and mother. Number six, boom, a big bomb. Uh, Don't murder. Number seven, we looked at last week, the heartbreak of adultery. You don't want that. And then today, this one's kind of hard to get, but do you see the mask that the thief is wearing? If you just turn your head like that, you can kind of see it a little bit better. Okay, does it, you get it now? Don't steal. We read about this in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15. Just four little words. You shall not steal. I was convicted this week because I was reminded when I was probably eight or nine years old, I was on the Elks baseball team. Played for PJAA, Paramount Junior Athletic Association. And the first thing I ever stole, I was wearing that uniform. You know why? Our baseball uniforms had a big pocket in the back, and if you untucked your shirt and we'd walk to Paramount Park, we'd play our games, our buddies stopped off at a little local convenience store, and we all walked in, we had this pre-planned, bought a penny candy, but stuck a nickel candy bar in that back pocket. And I walked out, And you would think I would feel bad. I didn't. I got away with it. Greed, selfishness. But I was reminded once again, we've all stolen. We've all taken things. You say, what's a nickel candy bar? God is not impressed with the amount or the value of the things stolen. If it's not yours, leave it alone. Does that make sense? That's what today's message really is all about. How do we steal? There are so many different ways we, we can steal. We live in an internet society. There used to be phone scams and credit card scams, but with the internet, there's so many different ways. But people have used technology over the years to rip and to con and to cheat people. Thousands of years ago, the first things that people would use in the marketplace were scales, weights, and measures. You know, they would be off in the merchants favor just a little bit but over the course of a week over the course of a month over the course of a year that adds up ripping off the customer 
And so the first way we can steal is by deceiving customers. Amos, the prophet, talked about this in Amos chapter 8 and verse 5. They, that is the merchants, overcharge, use false measures. And they fix the scales to cheat the customers. Remember on television um, a number of years ago, I was watching some of these scams where uh, maybe uh, you take your car in with a minor problem just to see if the dealer was, or the person, the mechanic was honest, and if they would, you know, a minor fix, and then they would find out that they were on camera. They would show them, oh, you need this, you need that, you need this, oh, you got all kinds of problems when it's a very minor thing. Or, or if someone comes to your home to repair an appliance, a refrigerator, a dishwasher, and it's just a minor thing, maybe a hose clamps loose or something, and they upcharge you. You're being taken advantage of. See, that verse sounds almost modern, doesn't it? They overcharge the customer. When a salesperson doesn't give you the fine print and it ends up costing you a lot of money, that all equals stealing. A second way we steal is by defrauding employers. Colossians 3.23 says, Whoever or whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for who? What's the next word? The Lord. Who do you work for? The Lord. No, but I work for such and such a company, and my boss's name is... No, wait a second. Would you pad the expense account if Jesus was your boss? Would you pad the expense account or rip off the merchandise from the warehouse if Jesus was the owner? Would you steal and waste company time if Jesus was your boss? Well, I don't know. This verse seems to indicate he's our boss. We work for the Lord. That's really the mindset and the attitude that we should have. Number three, by delaying payments. In Leviticus 19.13, it says, Don't take advantage of anyone. Don't hold back the wages, that's the payday, of someone you've hired. Not even for one night. Now, you and I are thinking, wait a second. Uh, I get paid on a, you know, once a, once a week, uh, every two weeks, or however you get paid. Back then, it wasn't done that way. It was basically day laborers. And uh, if you hired someone for the day, you pay them that day. And, and a lot of times, the, the employer would come up with some ticky-tack. Well, you didn't do as much work as I thought you would do, and you'd hold back the pay. Come back tomorrow, I'm finished, and I'll pay you. Now what are you doing? Oh, and they would often take their coat and pledge, hold on to their coat so they would give it back to them at the end of the night. The Bible says when you do that, now they're going home on an empty stomach. They probably won't eat that night. Now you're making them come back the next day to work hungry and tired, and the quality is going to be a whole lot less. And so the Bible says, no, when, when you owe somebody, you pay them what they're owed. Don't even hold it for one night. Pay your employees. I, I think that would also go, if you have a, a company, pay your suppliers. Don't say, the check's in the mail if the check is not in the mail. Does that make sense? A third or a fourth way we steal is by defaulting on loans. The psalmist will say in Psalm 37, 21, the wicked man borrows and never pays back. 
I mean, this, this, this person intends not to pay back. They're borrowing in order to rip you off. And there's a lot of people that have no intentions of paying back when they borrow. Now, I'm not talking about someone who gets over their head, they meant well, uh, and now you're in a bankruptcy situation. There, there is a place for bankruptcy. And I think our legal system and our courts have you know, set up uh, a system for that kind of thing. But what we're talking about here is people that have no intention of paying back. Payback applies to anything, not just money. You borrow a tool, return the tool. Someone borrows, you borrow some skis, return the skis. If you borrow a table and chair from your church, return it. I, I know you call it long-term borrowing. God calls it stealing, okay? So check your garages. Some of you are thinking right now, oh yeah, by the way. Return it. Number five, by defrauding or deceiving the government. Romans chapter 13, the Bible makes it clear that the authorities are working for God. God had uh, government in mind from the beginning. And he says, pay what you owe them. Now, you don't have to overpay. He just wants you to pay your taxes. Personal or property taxes. Pay what you owe. Number six, uh, the sixth way we defraud or we steal, is by defrauding God. You mean a person can actually rob God? Malachi seemed to think so. In chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, will a man rob God? He asked the question. Will a man rob God? Yet, you rob me. But you ask, well, how do we rob you, God? By withholding tithes and offerings. They were holding back. Oh, and those that did give, they'd go to the temple and they'd take their sacrifice. But rather than take the best from their flock, they would take the one that was sick, lame, blind, somewhat worthless, about to die anyway, I'll offer that one to God. You see the message that they were sending to God, that He was just kind of a low priority in their life. God says, you're robbing me when you're not tithing. So, why do we steal? There's basically three reasons. Greed, laziness, and pride. Pride, laziness, and greed. They all kind of go together. You ever watch this program on television called uh, American Greed? Man, these guys are so brazen and brash and so prideful that they think they'll never, ever get caught. And they just go to the extreme. I'll never be caught. Jail cells and prison cells are filled with people who think they will never get caught. But it's greed is really kind of a driving force. Or laziness, if I can steal it, then I don't have to work for it. Or, or pride, somehow in our warped uh, sense of values, we get a thrill out of conning people and getting away with it. And uh, I got to admit, when I was that eight-year-old boy and I got away with that Snickers candy bar, I thought I got away with it. But you never get away with anything, do you? God knows. God sees all. And that's why I should be honest. Why should I be honest? Well, because I'm being watched by God. God sees everything. People still, because they think they can get away with it, and then Satan reinforces that idea. Yeah, no one's going to know. But God knows. He's the one you're going to have to give an account to one day. 
In Job 34, he writes, God carefully watches the goings-on of all mankind. That's us, folks. From the beginning of time to the end of time, God is watching. God is involved and aware of mankind and his affairs. He sees them all, the text says. No darkness is thick enough to hide evil men from his eyes. And that's just saying, I may fool people. I may fool the government. I may fool the IRS. I may fool the insurance company. But I'm not going to fool God. He sees, watches, and knows all. A second reason I should be honest is because I'm going to reap what I sow. We all do. That's just a principle in life. Look up here on the screen at Galatians 6, verse 7. It says, don't be misled. Remember, a man will always, not sometimes, not once in a while, but always reap just the kind of crop he sows. You sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You can't sow wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. You will reap what you sow. You sow dishonesty, cheating, taking advantage. That's what you're going to reap. Third reason is dishonesty damages my character. Proverbs 10, verse 2. Wealth you get by dishonesty will do you no good. But honesty can save your life. Proverbs 19.1, this is a good news version. It is better to be poor but honest than to be a lying fool. That's Bible. The Bible says Satan is a liar. Satan was a liar from the very beginning. And every time I steal, I am siding with the devil rather than with God. And remember, it was that very same devil that very same satan that robbed adam of adam adam and eve of their home a home that you and i should be in today but it was taken from them by a lie you shall not surely die he threw in one word not and they died he lied and now we suffer the consequences now, there's a lot of excuses. People in the marketplace will say, yeah, but if I don't cheat, then I just can't make it in the marketplace. That's, that's not true. In business, integrity is vital. In business, integrity pays. Customers want to return to a business that's run with integrity. They did a study of some of the 50 most profitable corporations in America, and they found one common denominator each one of them had a moral code of ethics. And so, good reputation equals repeat customers. And then number four, God will reward my honesty. When we do it God's way, when we um, understand He's watching, when we understand the principle of reaping what we sow, when we understand how dishonesty damages a character, and then when we get this on right, God rewards 
our honesty, both on earth and in heaven. Those two things go together. Heaven and earth, earth and in heaven. First of all, on earth, Proverbs 28, 20 says, Honest people will lead a full, happy life. Why? There's no skeletons in the closet. You're clean. No guilt. And so you're going to have a happier life than a dishonest person. Right here on earth. And then he talks about heaven. Heaven's rewards are going to be based on some things. Really, three things. Three tests, if you will. Uh, first of all, trials. Temptations. And money. Those three areas are what we go through on earth and how well we do under the pressure of these three tests will determine the rewards we get in heaven. If we respond well, there will be greater rewards. Luke chapter 16 verse 11 says this, So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? See, that's heaven. So, we've got to be trustworthy here on this life in handling worldly wealth. That's money. That's things of value. So, in the next life, we'll be able to handle the true riches. Matthew 25, 21. Here are the, here are the words that we're all going to want to hear someday. Well done. Well, for doing what, Lord? You've shown you can be faithful in small things. I will trust you with greater ones. Come enjoy your master's happiness. So, how can I prepare for a lifestyle of integrity? Number one, first step to integrity. Make restitution when possible. I know it's not always possible. But when it is possible, we should all make restitution. I... In Senior Chapel, one of the speakers got up and shared a story of a... Well, actually, he'd heard a message. And uh, the message was entitled, Holy Unto Jehovah. And for the first time, the speaker said, It really sank into me that all that I am and all that I have can be holy unto Jehovah if I just declare it and give it to Him. And that night when he went home, he started laying hands on his furniture, you know, Dining room table, holy unto Jehovah. Television set, holy unto Jehovah. You know, couch, holy unto Jehovah. Lined up the wife and kids, holy unto Jehovah, holy unto Jehovah. Ho wife said, what are you doing? The dog, holy unto Jehovah, you know. And he said, never mind, I'll tell you later. He, he went into the garage, and this guy had a lot of tools. And he didn't just lay his hand on the tool chest. He actually opened up each drawer and started pulling out each tool. Holy under Jehovah, holy under Jehovah, holy under Jehovah, next door, holy under Jehovah, holy under Jehovah, next door, holy under Jehovah. And that's about as far as he could get. He could not complete the statement under Jehovah. Because what he was looking at was a pipe wrench that he had stolen several, several years earlier when he worked for the Department of Power. Uh, water and power. And he thought, ah, oh, what do I do? I got this stolen pipe wrench, and I want my household to be holy under Jehovah. 
Then it hit him. He got out a box, put it in a box, wrote out a note, my name is so-and-so, X amount of years ago when I worked for you, I stole this piperage. Since then, I've become a Christian, and I want to be holy under Jehovah. I am now returning this, and I think he threw some money in there, and he says, if I owe you any more, please let me know, and he shipped it off to him. And that night, that man and his entire family went to bed holy unto Jehovah. Now, I know you can't always make restitution that easily. But when you can, you should. Do you remember a guy in the Bible named Zacchaeus? What did he do for a living? Tax collector. In a day and time when tax collectors were known for being notorious and rip people off. I don't know if that was the case for Zacchaeus, but I do know this. When he had an encounter with Jesus, when he met Jesus face to face, one day Jesus is walking through town and Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Tax collectors were excluded from the synagogue. You couldn't go to temple, you couldn't go to synagogue, and you were pretty much ostracized from society. And he had heard about Jesus, and he just wanted a glimpse, climbed a sycamore tree, and he's looking down and Jesus stops right at the foot of that sycamore tree. And he looks up. And he says, Zacchaeus, can you imagine what Zacchaeus is thinking? Wow, the God of the universe has just stopped right at the tree that I'm, I'm up in. And he's looking at me, right at me, and he knows my name. Come on down. We're going to your house today. We're going to have a meal. And that man had an encounter, such an encounter with Jesus, it changed his life. And here's what he said. In Luke 19.8, if I have cheated anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Wow. That's the kind of impact that a relationship with Jesus Christ will have on your life. That's real Christianity. Number two, how do I prepare for a lifestyle of integrity? Give God your full tithe. Malachi 3.8.9, it says, Is it right for a person to cheat God? Of course not. Bring the full amount of your tithes to the temple. You say, well, we don't have a temple. It's just talking about your place of worship where you're being spiritually fed. And I will pour out. So look, if you bring in the whole tithe, don't bring in the lame, the weak, the, the blind animals for sacrifice, but bring in the proper that's due me. I will pour out on you an abundance. Now, most of us want the latter part. We want the abundance, but we don't want to do the first part, bring in the whole tithe. We don't want to honor God with our offerings. God says, if I'm not tithing, I'm paying my bills with stolen money. One day we're going to have to give an account. People say, but Bruce, don't you know that that's, that's Old Testament? That's an Old Testament command. I say, so what? All ten of these things that we've been studying over the last several weeks are Old Testament. All ten commandments are Old Testament. Are we not going to obey them just because they're in the Old Testament? Of course not. That didn't make any sense. And besides, who said because we're under grace, we do less than they did under the law? No, they were limited to 10%. We're not limited. We're under grace. We can do whatever. And then number three, we'll close with this. Make a living honestly. 
Ephesians 4.28, Philip's translation. The man who used to be a thief must give up stealing. He's talking to Christians. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. These people, what's your job? I'm a thief. Well, give that up. You're now a child of God. You're now going to live a different way. And do an honest day's work with your own hands. Band, come on up. Praise team, come on up. I'll finish out this point real quick. Basically, this verse is saying, what's that old uh, saying? Uh, A day's work for a day's pay. Something like that. And that's really what the Apostle Paul is saying. Now, what will be the result if we do these things? We, we make restitution when possible, we give God the full tithe, and we make an honest living. The result will be we'll have a clear conscience, we'll have greater rewards in this life and in the life to come. And we'll hear these words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that someday? Boy, I know I certainly do. Let's pray about it. You know, the Bible's clear that uh, no dishonest person will be allowed into heaven. And uh, that also means (laughs) we're all in big trouble because we've all been dishonest in one way or another. I told you a story about when I was a kid stealing my first candy bar. Uh, We're all in need of grace. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. You see why we need a Savior? Do you see why we need Jesus to die on a cross for us? If you come to Him today, He'll forgive you. Just say to Him, Jesus Christ, yes, I have been dishonest. Please forgive me from this day forward. Here's what I want to do. I do want to begin living a life of integrity. And Lord, I do want to make restitution when possible. And and I will begin to pay the whole tithe to you, and I'll begin to to make my living honestly. Now, Father, would you bless all those who said that prayer? Bless them, Father, to have a fuller, happier life here on earth. And may they enjoy the rewards of heaven because of your amazing grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.